everyone, Chris Hansen here of Hansen vs. Predators. And to catch your predator, why don't you have a seat right over there and listen to Kyle and Brandon, our podcast. According to my chat logs, Kyle and Brandon have interesting guests no, I hated it. Yeah. Everybody's sweaty. Everybody's on drugs, so they're super sweaty, but also touchy. And then they touch your face, and then you leave there, and the next day you have pimples. Fantastic conversation. He's underground in a lab, floating in a tank of water, because he almost died. And most important, no predators. Here at Intoxia Reviews, we intellectually dissect the art of cinema, scene by scene. Here's some clips. Oh, he is. It's just a fucking big wooden doll full of cum chasing kids around. <laughs> you look up guys who poop in a bag. I think that's where you'll find them. Because he is hurt. It's probably just in your search history anyway, isn't it? This movie fucking blows. So don't forget to subscribe to Intoxicated Reviews on all places you find podcasts. Except Spotify. We're working on it. Do not take product if you are hypersensitive. Okay, Internet. Welcome back to the Intoxicated Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McClellan. And if you're new to this podcast, this is a comedy variety talk show where I shoot the shit with comedians, creators, and characters about the messiness of life. Guys, I'm very excited for you to hear this week's episode. I am taking a little break from talking with comedians because I've been talking to comedians a lot. And I've also been talking about comedy a lot because I've started doing it. Um, I've done three sets so far and I encourage everybody to check out the YouTube channel. That is youtube.com backslash intoxicated for a little series I'm doing about my journey and starting stand up. Part three should be coming soon. It's a lot of work, but I plan on getting that final part up very soon. But guys, this week's guest is David Rossetti, and he is somebody I met a long time ago at a local bar doing karaoke every Tuesday. And the bar that we actually met at was where Intoxicated was born. It's where I came up with the idea for the show. So it's very special. He is a actor and a DJ. And he is in a brand new movie out with Chelsea Peretti called Spinster. And you guys need to watch this movie. It is fucking fantastic. It was filmed all locally here in Halifax. Truly, truly amazing. This is a movie about self-discovery and finding yourself from the perspective of Chelsea Peretti's character, who is a 39-year-old woman who is just, you know, grappling with life and the complicatedness of all of that. And you definitely need to watch it. Watch it after you listen to this episode or pause it right here. Go watch the movie and come back and listen to this episode where we talk about it with David Rossetti. So I loved this. This was really different. We did talk a lot about acting and the process of acting and just about his experience in filming this awesome movie. Actors like comedians, they do have to self-motivate. They are self-employed. So a lot of things do translate over to stand-up. And the other interesting thing is uh, Dave's character in the movie is a stand-up comedian. So it worked out really well. This was an awesome conversation and so much fucking fun. I love just having different kinds of people on this podcast. Like I've always said, it's creators and characters in addition to comedians. So this was a real fucking treat. 
I almost forgot to tell you where you can find the movie Spinster. It is available on iTunes, that is where I watched it, Amazon, and various other video on-demand platforms. And if you want to check out all the awesome stuff that Dave has done, you can check out his website, davidrosetti.ca, and that is with two S's and two T's. Check that out. How cool is it that I had someone on the podcast who's been in a movie? That's pretty fucking cool. So guys, do make sure you're following Intoxicated on social media. That is Facebook and Instagram at Intoxicated Podcast. On Twitter, we are at in underscore intoxicated. Big thank you to all the Patreons of the show. And if you are interested in signing up for that, you can check out the Patreon page at patreon.com backslash intoxicated. And you can email your questions, comments, feedback, guest suggestions, anything you want to intoxicatedpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to shut up now and get to this awesome interview with David Rossetti. All right. I suck at names. I'm pronouncing names, so I always double-check. No, it's perfect. Thank <laughs> you. I don't think I've ever said your lot. Like, you've just always been Dave to me. Yeah, just <laughs> Dave the Frog karaoke Dave guy. Dave the Frog! <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is wild. I'm very, very excited to be here on the Intoxicated Podcast with a very special guest. Something a little different for you guys. You guys are used to comedians. But today we have a DJ and actor. Oh, yes. Dave Rossetti is here. Oh, thanks for having me, Sarah. It's really great to be on your show. Oh, my gosh. And you've done, so name some of your credits. You've done Trailer Park Boys. You've done Digstown. Yeah, I was probably most known for the three-season role on Trailer Park Boys as the uh, the slingshot guy. The yeah. slingshot guy. Yeah, they would pull out guns and I'd pull out a slingshot and they would run away screaming. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did you have a lot of lines in that, or was that just your thing? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. we did a couple of scenes. I, I, They always need somebody to cause trouble, mm-hmm. and so I was one of the trouble causers for about three be, seasons. That would be really fun. Yeah, it was a blast. I loved working with those guys. Oh, uh, uh, they were really free, too. You know, we were talking about improv a little bit earlier. They were big on that as well. Like, just let's just mess around, have some fun, and shoot some stuff and see what happens. Shoot so, the shit. Yeah, shoot some shit and see if we get something funny. So That is wild. <laughs> yeah, I was a huge fan of the show, too. So then to get on the show was like That's just a crazy. ride. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but also like circling back to how we know each other. I used to do this on the podcast, but now I have a lot of repeat guests. So I just stopped doing it, which is a friendship origin. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> nice friendship origin story, which is like how we met or how we like connected. And so you used to do karaoke at Fickle Frog where I would yeah. go to. Every Tuesday. Yeah, eight years, I think, we did it there, uh, karaoke in that little back room. In the little back room. Yeah, listening to some quite awful singers, but it was always a heck of a party in that little, little and bar. And you made a lot of connections there. People, like, start to know you because they were, like, regulars. Yes. And then you would, like, do their weddings. It's true. It was always a good place to hand out wedding cards. Because people would hook up at the karaoke night, and then they'd be there for three years singing songs, and then they'd uh, get married afterwards. Get married? <laughs> like Melanie and Ben. Yeah, like, yeah. Same kind of idea. That's crazy. That must be wild, too, like, seeing the beginning stages of, like, the flirtation, or, yeah. like, or, like, you see them together, and then they're getting married. That's wild. Oh, yeah. And the best, too, is, like, when karaoke ended... Uh, they all started having babies together because mm-hmm. I guess they stopped going to karaoke night. So they just stayed home and then, then now they all got babies. And so. now there's no more care unless they do karaoke in their living room. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which um, I do as well if needed. Oh, I bet you. I bet you. <laughs> and so can we plug your DJ service? Can we plug that? Yeah, True North True DJ North- services. True North DJ services. We know that right now we were just talking about before the mics rolled that it's a crazy time. There's not a lot of people doing events. Yeah. But if you are... 
Hit this guy up. Yeah, we'll spin for you. (laughs) True North, we're number one on Google. If you go DJ's Halifax, you'll see us right at the top. DJ's Halifax. And you guys have like a, do you have like a whole team? Yeah, there's a bunch of us. Uh, RS Smooth used to spin for us. Uh, DJ Skills, uh, DJ P Dub. Uh, I, I go by DJ Rocksteady. I didn't make it up. Someone gave it That's to me. That's a great name. <laughs> also a great No Doubt album. Yeah, it is a good one. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's been good. It's been a rough year. Everything got canceled, but uh, that's all right. We'll plug on. We will. We will dance on the floors again another day. Yeah, you will. You will stay afloat. But you're making it work. You're you're adapting and and staying afloat in these insane times. Yeah, lots of parties uh, in the middle of fields. Oh, things like that. Yeah, those. Yeah, are the outdoor ones. Outdoor parties. So. Oh man, that takes me back to like high school when like <laughs> we would just party in a field. No diggity. No diggity. <laughs> But that's where we met. But this is so the reason you're here today. This is very exciting. So you just did a quite a big role in the movie Spinster with Chelsea Peretti. Yeah. What a thrill. And it's so crazy how that happened, because I literally watched it the night that you emailed me. Oh, really? Like the night you emailed me. I had just watched it. No way. Serendipitous. Which is wild. Yeah. A little serendipitous because I saw it popping up. I was like, oh, it's out now. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was shot here in Halifax. Yes. Fuck yeah, I'm going to watch that. And I got to say, okay, people listening, like if you have daughters, if you have like young daughters, young nieces, like any young women that you know, get them to watch this. Oh, good. Yeah. This film because it is so refreshing. It is so honest yeah. and real. It's got a lot of heart to it for a, a little Canadian movie. Yeah, and it's a powerhouse team of women who created this movie. Uh, Andrea Dorfman was the director, and uh, she co-wrote it as well. Uh, it was shot by a woman, uh, Stephanie Baron. She was the DOP for it. So it's just a powerhouse team of women writing, directing, and getting this movie up. So it's a real pleasure to be a part of it. And how did this come about? So, well, let's... Yeah. We'll go back to the beginning. How did you get into acting? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I got in it in high school to meet girls. <laughs> drama? Like the drama? Drama class. Drama, cl- drama club? Yeah, or drama, drama class? club. And then, you know, I, oh I God, went there to funny. meet girls and it worked really well because <laughs> I wasn't much of a sports guy. So I had to do something. So I got into <laughs> to theater. So, we you know, we did plays. And then I went to school after that, for, uh, theater school for that, did three years uh, of that. Laying okay. on the floor, breathing, doing yoga, working scenes and stuff like that. And then I toured children's theater for like 10 years. Oh, All wow. over the states, I did that in state fairs. Our show was set up next to the pig races over by the Ferris wheel, and we'd do a, a kid's show about science. And oh so my god, that was a lot of fun. Ten we, years doing that, yeah, wow, on and off. Time. But okay. yeah, yeah, we toured those things all over the states, so that kind of got my performance on stage chops up. Ooh. So yeah, so I'm not scared to go on stage that much anymore after doing children's theater for ten after years. You do it for so, and especially children, like yeah, and you have to entertain yeah. the adults too. Yeah, the, the adults watching the children, they bring the kids. Be- Mm-hmm. So we worked with a lot of comedians actually back then. Uh, Renee Percy, she's in LA now doing stand-up comedy. Reed Janice is in, he's a second city guy in Toronto. He's in all those McDonald's commercials and everything oh, okay. like that. So it's like the people who did those kids shows are in the improv and comedy world now. So fascinating. Yeah, and then I started doing film acting uh, here in Halifax. Here in yeah. Halifax, and, and then the DJ stuff was just a way to make a living yeah. to fill in the gaps. More study, more study. Yeah. 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 Especially if you can land a karaoke night at a bar on a weekly basis. It's nice cash, too. Yeah. Cash yeah. money. We cash. like that as gig workers. <laughs> you always seem to always, like, I just, because I've seen you, like, obviously at Fickle Frog and also at weddings. You always seem like you're having a fucking blast. Well, I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really good acting. Yeah, sometimes. I'm like, I really want to be 
be here. Yeah. I, I wouldn't rather be home at all. No, it's great to play music for parties. So you can't go wrong. It's the only other job I could do other than acting that didn't make me want to stab my eyeballs out. So I got lucky and hooked up with a guy who had a company and then I worked with him for ever since I moved here. So I got really lucky that way and then hustled to bars to do karaoke and stuff just to fill in the blanks between acting jobs. Between the acting jobs, yeah. which is very smart. And that's easy. You had to do something. You got you to gotta do something. The starving artist thing. Yeah. I don't think you can really do that these days. It gets old once you get over 35 being a starving artist. It's like, oh, I'm a, yeah. I don't want to starve anymore. But I yeah. still want to do what I love to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to make some sacrifices and make it work or else you're going to just be unhappy, right? That is like, yeah. And that is something I have been truly thinking about so much during this time of being unemployed and like just trying to figure out like, what the fuck do I do with like I'm 33 and I'm like I don't know what the fuck to do with my life yeah like it feels like I'm it feels like I'm 18 again and starting over and I always admire people when they make the decision to go for what they love rather than the cookie cutter nine like the easy nine to five office job that is very stable and like will give you benefits and like will give you all that and be be more financially stable for you but then the people who make the decision to dive into things that they love and hustle their butts off to like make that a living yeah. is something I respect so much. Well, I appreciate it. It's it's really tempting too to say fuck it. I, I want to do my own. Uh, you know, let me just get a real job and forget a this. Real job. A yeah. real job. Yeah, yeah. I, like it's not a real job what I do, but you know yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know it's ingrained in you that you have to. You know, you're not if you're self-employed. You know. You will get a real job. Give up on your dreams and maybe do something else. But a lot of it is really luck and just saying yes to things, I find. Like, I'm not the healthy or not. I'm a little lazy, I'm going to say. So, you know, I don't. (laughs) I'm also very lazy. I do not hustle as much as I should, but I say yes to things a lot. And sometimes those turn into really good things and, uh, you know, take you down roads that you never thought. So it's like risky, but yes, I will take that. So not being too in your cookie, like in your own cookie cutter bubble of like what you should do, like almost like embracing things that you didn't think you would do. Yeah. Being open to what might come your way and, uh, you know, things might turn you in a completely different direction career wise or life wise and just roll with it not be afraid to take risks and it's tough to do though. Did you, um, like when you were, when you were thinking about your life, was it a hard decision to make to be like, I'm going for acting, which is a tough industry to like it, break into? It wasn't because it was the only thing I really knew how to do to make money. Because right. I did it right out of college. So I was touring and I was doing uh, shows and I was making money doing that. So when I wasn't making money, I was like, geez, what else can I do? Uh, so it was – so I kept taking gigs as they came because I was like, this is the only thing I know how to do. I don't know how to do anything else except be learn other people's lines, work mm. scripts – be funny on stage, you know, host things. Right. I'm the only tool I have. I don't have my, you know, I didn't really do a lot of school. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't finish school. I'm lazy, but. (laughs) Listen to all of this advice. This is how you gotta do it. I take risks and I'm not afraid to be, you know, to do things like that. That's so, were you always a performer too? Like when you were younger, like, were you always the, the performer type, like the class clown? Yeah, I did. I get, I got in trouble a lot at school for sure. And yeah. we, I mean, I remember my brothers and sisters doing things like this podcasts, you know, with oh, tape really? recorders. Oh, yes. And we would do lip sync bands and, ah. uh, you know, I came a family of four, uh, four kids in the family. So we were always competing for attention. And yeah, I was encouraged as the class clown and stuff like that. But 
I'm an introvert too, so it's weird, you know? That is, I always find that interesting when introverts do stuff like that, like more performative. But it's also like, I totally get having, needing the separation in a way, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. to be so on performatively that you need that like time to recharge. Yeah. Like off stage or like off, you know, off the mic. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of the stuff that, you know, you're working on in a film would be quiet stuff, personal stuff, intimate things. And it's hard to, you know, when you're on film, if you're an extrovert, sometimes it, the camera is just like, whoa, too much. There's a lot going on here. You are it. way too much. But the camera loves like intimacy and small moments and privateness. So I've started to lean towards that a little bit more when it comes to acting. It's, oh, I tend to think the more privacy is, is better for those quiet moments oh, and honesty. Oh, yeah, yeah. And with Spinster, so how did the Spinster role yeah. come about for you? Well, Erin uh, Hennessy is the casting agent here in town, and she does all the casting for movies. That name is very familiar. I'm pretty sure I've heard it. Yeah, she does like background for uh, TV shows, and she does casting for movies that are locally in town. So I have a pretty good relationship with her, and I think I tried out for about four or five roles in that movie. Uh, oh, all really? the all the guy roles I tried out for. Really? Yeah, and it was great because we had just gone to New York to go watch a stand-up comedian friend of ours tape his special, George Gordon, on Spotify. Oh, the uh, plug. Your good friend is what it's called, and George and, Gordon. Yeah, George Gordon. George Gordon, and he is a friend of of my wife and I's. So we went to New York to go watch him do his his special, and then we got on a plane that night, came home on the red eye, and I had the audition the next morning. So I was a little hungover. I didn't give a shit. I thought, what the hell? I've already tried out for three roles. And I read for Alex, which is the part I play in the movie. And uh, yeah, it just went well, I guess. It's amazing when you audition hungover. <laughs> you, you, give, about, yeah. you give a lot less cares. And well, yeah, it's almost like the, the idea of like over prepping. Like mm-hmm. I highly believe that you can over prep for something and it, it will go badly for you. Yeah. Like I was the type that used to over prepare for job interviews. Like I would spend like nights and nights and nights like researching everything about the company and like and it's like they're never gonna ask you like (laughs) these questions that you're preparing for and then you get in your head yeah and you get too like too tight about it yeah and um and then it doesn't go well and it goes the same for stand-up comedy too you know if you're not loose if you if you if you care too much about what people think about you yeah i mean then look out you're screwed oh yeah you would never be able to do Stand up, if, no, if you or, or audition much. for a film because you're just thinking, God, am I the person they want? Uh, am I good looking enough? Am I uh, funny enough? Do I have enough credits? Do I, you know? Right. But if you don't give a shit and you just go and you do your work and do a good job and you know and walk out there, best. yeah, try your best and walk out feeling good about yourself and going, okay, I did everything I could do. I yeah. a, and then I rip up the script and say, forget about it, and hopefully you get a phone call. So I did get a phone call, which is which is great. And then I found out Chelsea Peretti was in the movie. I didn't know that at the time. And it was serendipitous again because I was such a huge fan of hers. Brooklyn Nine Nine. I never watched it. Oh, you? Oh, you? Uh, have you watched it since? No, I, ha- oh, I Dave, should. You gotta, it's well. That's how I know her. I don't actually know her from too much else, but like I, I've recently started watching her stand up and stuff. Yeah, uh, um, one of the greats is what I knew her from, and uh, okay. it, that was a staple in our household. We just, you know, when you just throw on a, a stand up special that you've heard a million times just for comfort or to go to bed at night or something like that. Yep. You know, she was in our rotation. We just throw on that album and listen to her. And then a year and a half later, I find out, oh my, I'm going to be in a movie with her. So it was perfect. I felt like I knew her really well. Did, uh, did you freak out? I did. And then I was really excited. And then I said, I should watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And then I thought, no, no, 
I don't need to be any more nervous about this. <laughs> That's true. I don't need to see how awesome she is. I already know she's great. But, oh, man, Twitter told me she's very popular from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I've never yep. seen it. Yeah. Uh, but then when I met her for the first time, it was like brother and sister, kind of. No we way. we hit it off really well. Yeah. Like, literally. And we're burying the lead, but you play her brother. Yes. Yeah. In the movie. So can we talk about your character in this movie? Also serendipitous, it's a stand-up comedian. Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a business guy who wants to really be a stand-up comedian inside because he is tired of the bank life and investments and all that bullshit. So he wants to get his other side out through stand-up comedy. So he goes to open mic nights. Yeah. That yeah. scene, <laughs> that open mic scene. Oh, it's rough. Was so triggering for me specifically. Oh, because, yeah? Well, because I'm just now getting into comedy and I'm like, this is going to happen to me at some point. Oh, it was a I bomb, was wa- wasn't it? I was watching that scene going, you did such, like, it was such a good job of like, how that, how heavy the room feels when no one laughs or like when only one person's like, woo! <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the back, like, like one person is like, probably really drunk and is like cheering you on yeah but, like it's just dead everywhere else oh my god it was triggering well they even wrote that guy in I, i'm thankful they did or else it would have been dead quiet in there and oh uh, i couldn't i all the respect to stand-up comedians who have to stand on stage with six people in the room three of them are their family members yeah and you got to deliver your jokes about balls and hairy nut sex <laughs> Which was great because the joke you did was so, like, stereotypical (laughs) of, like, a new male comic who's like, I'm funny. I could do this. Yeah, cocky little. Yeah, (laughs) it was uh, disastrous. And it was supposed to be disastrous. And I I think I've never been reviewed so harshly. They said that uh, my stand-up was the worst thing in the movie. Which I but, take as a badge of honor because it was supposed to be it terrible. Was to, I was just going to say, I'm like, it was a, you did a really good job of being a bad comedian. Yeah, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. That was so funny. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really great moment to do that. And I got to fantasize being a stand-up comedian for like a couple hours in front of one of my stand-up heroes. That is wild. Which was really meta. It was a strange thing. That is really thing. meta because you used to watch her stand-up and now she's watching you do stand-up. Yeah, yeah. And I also love that like... At one point in the movie, she she kind of disses stand-up comedy. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like, stand-up comedy? You're doing stand-up? Oh, yeah. God, don't ever do that again. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was really, really fun. What a, it, We had a really nice connection, though. It was really nice to work with I'm her. glad that she was nice. Yeah, she was I'm cool. I'm really glad to hear that. She had just had a baby. Just had a baby. So she was very busy with the baby as well. So there wasn't a lot of socializing. Right. Which I appreciate. I like to just get down and work. And so did she. She wanted to get down and work and let's look at the script and let's have some fun and let's have a nice connection and uh, I could, have, have all the fun while working, but then go home to your life. Yeah, kind of go thing. home and then uh, uh, milk mm. for the baby. That was a big thing. She oh, had to that's do a wild. lot of. Uh, yeah. So she had just had the baby. Was the baby on set? Uh, it was. Yeah, she had a, a, a little boy. Beautiful little boy, and uh, he came on set every now and then, but the, she had a whole trailer just for the baby and the nanny and everything. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a big deal for her. So uh, all the props to her for carrying a whole movie while just having a baby, baby. while taking care of the baby. Like, Madness. women are amazing. Madness. Madness. <laughs> Unbelievable. I just watched uh, a documentary uh, about, well, it was like a little documentary three-part series about Amy Schumer. Who, oh, I love her. Um literally taped a stand-up special while very pregnant, but also added layer to it. She had insane, it's, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the condition, but it's insane nausea and vomiting. 
Like, to an extreme point. Right. Like, to a point where, like, sometimes you're throwing up for, like, three hours straight oh. and not stopping. And, sh- and she's and up she, there. And the whole series was, like, her prepping for the special while pregnant as fuck uh, how- and nailing it. And nailing it. Nailing it. How do you do it? Just madness. I'm like, oh, I'm a little bloated today. I don't know if I can do this scene. Oh, I'm bloated. They're like, here, hold this baby. Let me do this scene. Yeah. No problem. Oh. It's insane. I don't know. I think we're just the better sex. Uh, yeah. Just I, me. Definitely the stronger one for sure. Yeah. No, it was really impressive, the work that she did. And that she was open. And she was open to uh, changing the lines around. Right. And she was open to improving with me. And uh, I was improving with her. And I was like, I can't believe I'm throwing lines at Chelsea Peretti here. And she's throwing them back at me. This is amazing. And a couple of them made the movie, too, which is Yeah, like, so sweet. we talked a bit about that before we hit record, too. But, like, the how much of it is, like, very scripted and, like, line for line. And, and, and you mentioned that, like, you got to get those lines in. But, but, yeah. but she allowed you to improvise like afterwards and yeah. then a lot of that stuff is what made the movie because it just came off natural yeah these little moments that that aren't planned the camera just loves accidents and, and moments that aren't planned and if you're too uh scripted and if you know your stuff too well if you're over prepared as you mentioned and yeah, it's just gonna come off stale you know uh, and uh you know i watch myself too and go oh that was stale oh that was stale oh that was all right oh that was stale so it's it's really hard to watch back and be critical but right. i know i know on the day it felt Real, like two real people talking, which is kind of always the goal, I guess. Is just it did feel honesty. very real, yeah. yeah. But also the fact that like that movie was mostly in Halifax. Yeah, all shot in Halifax. All shot in Halifax. Every last bit of it. One thing that I loved doing while watching it was being like, "Where, where was that? Where mm-hmm. is that?" I noticed the seahorse. Yeah, yeah, we did uh, two of our scenes and the stand-up at the uh, seahorse, and I noticed that the restaurant. And fuck, I'm getting ahead of myself again. We should we should talk about what the movie's about. Oh, yes. Like, we're, we're, we gotta sell it to these people to, to, to watch this movie because it's so freaking great. Well, first of all, it's Canadian, right? So yes. we gotta support our Canadian filmmakers, our Canadian writers. We have to support our strong Canadian women who are, who are directing and writing great scripts. Ding, ding. You know, and if something comes out of Halifax, geez, you should definitely watch it you know and canadian movies you know they, they're quirky they're not you know if someone was saying if if uh, if they shot this sorry if they shot this in the states they would probably hire for all the other roles these like b-list comedian actors to try to amp up the film but i kind of like that it's halifax actors being real people and allowing her to react with real people yeah so, so it's Canadian movies always are a little tweaky, a little different, a little quirky. Nitty gritty. Yeah. They're a little nitty gritty. Low budget, so nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was so it was shot all over Halifax. So this is a movie about, I forget her name already, her character's name. Gabby. Gabby. It's her four, uh, 39th birthday. 39. And she just breaks up with her boyfriend while he breaks up with her for another woman, and she's in the shits. Shits. Yeah. And uh, Susan Kent from This Hour Has 22 Minutes uh, plays Gabby's best friend. Yes. And she's the co-star. She was in great. It. Fantastic. Yeah. She's got a couple of kids in the movie, which goes against Gabby, who is, has no kids and uh-huh. isn't married, but pushing that spinster age. Yes. And so it really talks about not having kids as you get older, mm-hmm. not needing a marriage or a family to kind of define yourself and uh literal chills as you're talking about that because that's so powerful especially and one thing i will commend the movie for is making the main character you know late 30s rather than 
Because so many of these self-discovery, like, rom-com style movies mm-hmm. are, like, the girl, the women characters are, like, 25. Yeah. Or, like... <laughs> and dating 45-year-old men. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Fuck. They're like, oh, we gotta find... We, we gotta find ourselves in our 20s. But it's, like, the reality is you're finding yourself all the time. Yeah. And... It never stops. You never know when life's gonna smack dab something at you. Yeah, that's a that, really like, good throws point. you off. So, like, I loved the fact that she was, like, approaching 40. And, Very and, imperfect, and still self-discovering everything. Yeah, um, like, and a bit of an asshole. She's a bit a, of an asshole. She's yeah. a bit of an asshole, yeah. and but you know that's part of it, and part of her journey too is 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 meeting up with her niece, uh, yeah. who's who played my daughter, played by uh, Nadia uh, so Crosby. Cute. Yeah, she's really. You good. guys were so cute together. Too. Yeah, she's oh sweet. God. I know her from a couple other things too. Uh, she yeah, she does a lot of work in town. She's a great. Uh, she's actually the daughter of the main agency. Maybe I shouldn't say that because it might seem like there's favoritism that she was in the part. But it no. helps though. It always With every job, it helps. Yeah, it's all about who you know. And my mom's the casting director, so yeah, I'm in the go. movie. You know? But she was great to work with for uh, as a kid and, and uh, brought a lot to the movie. And it yeah. also brought out Chelsea's kind of sensitive side, her aunt's side. And she has lots of great advice about being herself and not pleasing her mom and dad or her uncle. Yeah. You know, just being herself, you know. And One of my favorite scenes was when they were picking out yarn yeah. for the sweater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, the little girl was, like, having issues picking out a color. This, I like the brown one. Well, I like the brown one, too. Yeah. No, you don't. Come on. And then, and, then she's, and then she picked up this colorful one and, like, finally, like, kind of took agency over, like, yeah, this is what I like. Like, yeah. it was just really a really cute... And a good message to young girls, yeah. too, like just to be yourself and not not like do things because you, you want other people to do. Because there was another scene, too, with the rock climbing. You're right. Where she like went up on the rock climbing thing. Kids should terrified. all. Kids should like rock climbing. Yeah. Let's take them rock climbing. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. I, I'm terrified. I hate this shit. <laughs> but I should like it because everyone likes it. Well, no. What do you want to do? And mm. so they they settle on knitting, which is a, a theme in the in the in the show. Knitting. Yeah. Uh, hence really spinster. Um, oh, I never made that connection. That's yeah. very yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, they settle on knitting. And actually, Chelsea Peretti wasn't a great knitter. She had to practice a lot and learn how to knit for it. So she was always knitting, actually, on at lunch and in her trailer, constantly knitting. Because oh, wow. knitting had a lot to do with the with the show as well. So, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, just such a great message. Like, you yeah, had the, because you have the the sort of theme of the children theme, or like deciding not to have kids. Um, yeah, but you also have the fact that like it seemed like Gabby's character was kind of anti-kid yeah but then the bond with her niece definitely opened her up yeah even i mean i I, i'm 40 and no kids in sight not planning on kids and it's kind of a decision we've made not to get too personal with you but it's a tough uh the decision to not have kids is as important a decision to have kids right right and it should be respected the mm-hmm. same way mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of times pressures of society say oh you, you know you're selfish for not having kids or you're this i mean i feel that too you're getting older but we still have a lot to offer kids that's by right. not being parents companionship companionship yeah leadership niece uh, niece i have a lot of nieces and nephews i figure i have lots to offer to, to them and 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 in the movie it, it's like that too gabby has a lot to offer Apart from being a parent, but there's still right. tons to give. Because there wasn't, um, was there any mention in the movie about like what happened to the mom? Divorce. 
It was just divorce. Like she wasn't dead or anything. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Confusing a little bit with that scene at the graveyard, but no, that was the. Oh uh, yeah, that was that was her Gabby's mom. Yeah, the grandmother. Your guys's mom. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, it was a divorce, and it was a shitty divorce, and uh, the wife is sadistic, and this and that kind of you know. (laughs) Unhappy forty-year-old divorced male who's trying to refind himself by doing stand-up comedy. comedy. (laughs) We need more of those, right? More forty-year-old white men doing comedy. I want to see a role in a movie. About a female comic yeah. trying stand up and doing shitty at it. Because. You ever thought of writing a script? I mean, now that you're saying it, <laughs> I wouldn't know where to start. I had an idea for a script. Starts on movie. paper. That's all. <laughs> I had this idea for a movie called. This is wild that I'm bringing this up on the fucking podcast. But hey, ideas I are made, good. You got to bring them into fruition by talking about them. I made a fake poster, and the idea was. That it would be a movie, and I'm kind of biting the style of Adventureland, but it would be called Comedyland, ah. where, so, and this is actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm making the connection to COVID and the fact that, like, all these clubs are closing. Yeah. But yeah, the idea was that the comedy club closes down and all the comics are out of work, so they have to go work in an amusement park. What? This is great. <laughs> the comics have all these different roles at the amusement park. Like someone's like the stoner who works the tilt a whirl. Yeah. Someone's the like kind of the skeezy manager who's like try- like kind of the villain. Yeah. Like the the heel, so to speak. Right. And like and I made these roles and I put my comic friends in these roles and I was like, this is comedy land. <laughs> and I made so many jokes about like we need to make this happen. Let's do it. Well, like I don't know where to start with that. But it's, uh, it's a fun idea. No pad and paper right just jot down some ideas that's where it all starts right and 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 it's never too late to get a script read by somebody and get money for that script and get funding for it no funding yeah nova scotia has so many grants and things like that that are saying hey please we want uh, scripts we want scripts from from women right we we want uh, stories from 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 that and that's fascinating. You know, the first time script writers are happening all the time. Wow. Especially in Halifax. So it's you never like, know. And people with like, no, like I don't have any, I suck at writing. Like I'm the worst at writing. I typo all over the place. <laughs> the typos. Nobody's spell checking It's yet. bad. <laughs> but that is fascinating. Script writing. That Yeah, that that was a fun one that I had come up with. Comedy land. Media. Comedy land. And it's like. And Nobody steal it, that. Don't steal that. I picture it like a broken down, really like rickety amusement park kind of like do you remember are you from nova scotia originally originally from toronto from toronto when did you move here uh, 10 years ago 12 years oh, okay ago. so you might not remember but there was this place called magic valley no i don't know magic valley oh, but God. i wish i did if you look up like on youtube is like magic valley 90s commercial like you can find like a tv commercial from the 90s <laughs> of this place which was just again very it's just very nova scotia yeah small and like, like a little amusement park kind of deal amusement park. Yeah. like these like really crappy water slides <laughs> and like ferris wheels with like duct tape like holding it together oh what a perfect place to shoot a movie <laughs> right? right but now it's um now it's abandoned like it's it doesn't exist anymore um but like you can go if you can get through the private property you can go and like see this like abandoned amusement park i saw that wild. on tv well, a show about that actually this, Did a, you? this abandoned amusement park yeah oh, that's so creepy oh it would be a great idea if it was still there you could totally shoot a movie right? there save some bucks too on locations <laughs> just the idea of like yeah the comedians are working at the park 
And then, like, at night, they, like, put on a comedy show or something. And wouldn't it be a dream just to hire all your friends and make a movie with your right? friends? Oh right? Oh, my God. Like, what a dream to do that. And it's totally possible to do those things. Like, I, most mm-hmm. filmmakers will already know who they want to hire and hope to hire them, you know? And it doesn't have to be with the union. You can be on your own. You can do your own thing. Just grab some cameras and shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah, there's, like, a lot of fun things. Like, I also have a friend who did, like, a 48-hour film festival. Albert oh, yeah. Coombs. Okay. Shout out Albert. Yeah, man. Um, and, like... Little things like that where it's like a like a challenge, like you gotta make a movie in forty eight hours and like they came up with something really fun and I was just like, That's so fun. I would love to do something like that. I wish I was that uh, uh clever to come up with these scripts that these <laughs> people come up with. People have such talent when it comes to seeing something all the way through. I, I have great ideas to start things off and then I crap out near the yeah? end usually. <laughs> so I've got a, probably twenty unfinished things. I I wish I could finish them. So is writing something you might want to do more of? I, like going forward maybe? I, I have have so many ideas for scripts and movies i got a buddy in la that i would love to make a movie with again we made a movie together a long time ago and i uh, i would love to do it again with him specifically an old buddy of mine and but hey you're never too young you're never too old that's right you can always make a movie i know guys who are 50 years old who write scripts and get movies made you know and just because they wanted to try it and get it done didn't cost them anything they get funding one way or another or get the funding i think that's the key thing yeah. look like don't try to finance it yourself like that will just be oh, 30,000 gets a little heavy sometimes <laughs> but that's why iPhones are great too you can shoot movies on iPhones all yeah, sorts of things. Isn't that wild? film 5 is a great program it's an AFCOOP uh, Atlantic Film Co-op heard of this they you can sign up with them admit uh, scripts to them and they will teach you how to make a short film and by the end of the 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 process you'll have a short movie that you would have made i've done two or three projects with them as an actor and they're always fantastic i love working with young filmmakers and new filmmakers that come to town or in town and have ideas and they want to hire a guy who's maybe done a few movies and i'm like oh please let me be a part um so if you're listening and doing any of that Keep keep Dave in mind. Oh, I love working independent films. I love working with a tight crews, small crews, uh, locally. It's just a, a dream uh, to do that yeah. work. Yeah, because it's so nice here. It would suck yeah. to have to leave. Well, and fi- it know? would. And that might come, you know. I'd love to go to Toronto and do some work there as well, but I'll never leave Nova Scotia. My house is here. I love it here. You're out in the country. I'm out in the country. Yeah, my agent's in Toronto, so that's handy to have that. But uh, right. And everything's self-taped now. All auditions and everything are self-taped, so you don't have to go anywhere. Oh, just, for real? Just do it all at home. Send them in. You send it in? Yeah. And so do you have someone... Okay, I need to know about the inside baseball of this. Yeah. When you're auditioning, do you have someone behind the camera reading the other line? Yeah, usually my wife. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I've ran lines with someone before, and I got into it. Yeah? It's fun. It is. They're great scripts, and you get a little like sneak peek of what's shooting and then how the scripts are going to be. So cool. My wife loves doing it. She always says uh, that, uh, be careful, because some casting agent's going to hear my voice and want to ah! hire me. <laughs> Uh, so but uh, and also i'll use uh local actors in town too and say hey you want to help me out come on by i'll pick you up you want to shoot some oh, some stuff with me and uh it's a small community and we're all there for each other even though we're, we're usually competing for the same roles that's we all support each other so interesting yeah that's yeah. kind of like comedy too i guess so everyone wants to be the like number a friendly, one a friendly competition <laughs> yeah. kind of thing a little yeah. bit i could i could see that you want to give each other advice but maybe not too much not advice. Too much. <laughs> that's something yeah certainly that has been interesting for me getting advice from comics right now i i saw that special that was some bleak advice some of those comedians were giving you right. <laughs> It doesn't matter if you do if you do good. It doesn't matter if you suck. It doesn't matter. There was so much of it doesn't matter. But like, 
They're one hundred percent right. They're one hundred percent right. It's not helpful I, before you go on stage. I, what you're about to do and are prepared for for five years of your life doesn't matter. You know what? Though? Oddly <laughs> enough, and I was like with you on that for a bit. It has helped. Yeah. With nerves, because when I'm nervous, I'm just like, I'm going to do so bad. Like, it's going to be such a train wreck. But then I go, they're going to forget about it, like, in an hour. Don't, you know, like, yeah. they won't remember that you stumbled on that word or, like, you you took too long to get to that punchline no. kind of thing. No, and they'll so, remember like, one or two things that you shone from that were truly unique to you. Like, that's right. You know, something that was really awesome that was only something that could come out of your face. You yeah. know, that's what's... That's what they're probably going to take away, yeah. not the not the bad things. But we're, we're our own worst critics when it comes to anything that, like, anything creative where yeah. you're forced to, like, watch yourself and critique yourself because you don't have a boss. Oh, you don't have a boss telling hard. you, like, this is what you're doing wrong kind of yeah. thing. you got to figure it out on your own. So I imagine you deal with that with, like, watching tapes back. Oh, I hate it. Shit. Especially hate doing it? the self-tapes because when you tape your audition at home, you have the opportunity to look it over before you send it and go, oh, that sucks. Let me try this again. Let me So you end up doing 32 takes or something. And oh, it's like goodness. probably the third take was the best one. But if you go into an audition room at a casting agent's office, you get two chances. That's wow. it. So you better rock it. Yeah, if you're lucky. A lot oh, of times wow. you'll come in and they'll say, okay, is he good for it? All right. So you do it once and they'll say, okay, nah. <laughs> and is that, were you the type to get really nervous before auditions? Uh, yeah. 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 Nerves are, are, you know, that's the edge of the knife that you want to ride, you know, because it can take you either way, nerves. So you, you, even going on stage to do stand-up, nerves are part of it. You can either accept that and use it as something powerful to help you get through it, or you can use it as something that's going to, like, put you in the ditch and oh, freeze man. you up. So it's just kind of saying, yes, I am nervous and I'm more excited. I'm excited yes. to do this. My I got butterflies in my stomach. My blood pressure's pumping. I'm excited. I'm I'm not scared. I'm excited. I so, love when the nerves <sighs> shift to excitement. Yeah, it's, it's a gentle balance on a knife, but it never goes away. And and that's what I hear. And I also hear the. And I wonder if you would agree with us the saying of like, if you're not nervous, you're doing something wrong. It could be. Could be, or you're super prepared, or you've come to grips with it, or you're in your zone, and the you're zone. not. Yeah, it's great to be in that zone where you're confident and you know what you're doing, and it's game time. And then you're not even thinking too much; you're just doing what you've prepared. You're just you're, doing that. You're doing your thing that you're confident in, and yeah. and there's nothing better than watching somebody do that. I think, and uh, that's wild. Films the same way. It's like you prepare and you prepare, you prepare, and you hope you don't fuck it up on the day. But when it comes time and action is called, you're not thinking about anything except what's going on that moment, second by second. What is that person saying? I'm listening to every word, and how would I react uh, normally? So hopefully you're not thinking about anything. You're just in the moment. You're just riding. You're just going. It's a euphoric kind of feeling and then wow. i'm sure a lot of stand-up comedians feel that where they're just surfing that crowd just yeah. just having a great time not thinking just doing and that's the headspace i think you want to get into when you're doing any kind of performing is just do it just, just do, do it, it now wow. <laughs> that always has helped me too yeah are you like are you someone who have you found like memorizing lines came easy to you or yeah because i've been doing it for so long i have a lot of tricks and techniques to doing it Ooh. uh just it's re there's no shortcut to it it's just repetition it's just talking to yourself over and over that's what and it over is again there's no that's trick. what it is you're totally freaking right your repetition is your friend if you can say it backwards if you can say the words forwards and backwards that would be great so you know it so well that you can say fuck it 
and and ride if you need to or go back to your script. Because that's something very fascinating that I found with stand-up was writing the notes that I took up on stage with me yeah. to like guide my set. Making the right notes so that when I look down, I go, okay, that's the next part of that joke. And I know exactly what I'm saying. You're ready for but it. But it's just the triggering your memory. Because I noticed on my first set, I forgot a lot of components of jokes. Because I, I was so nervous. It was my first time. I was just like, I just need to get this fucking over yeah, with. People are staring at you. The, <sighs> the buzz in the room. The this and that. Yeah, it can throw you so right off. So nerve It's like your first time up there. And like, my first set wasn't planned. It was totally impromptu. So I didn't actually have the notes that like... I had written out at home. Holy fuck. So I just scrambled down words on a piece of scrap paper and went up there. But then the second time I did it where I had like the title of the joke and like bullet points underneath. Right. Like just but like keywords like to kind of trigger the memory. Keep you on track. Because that was what I found helped me. But interestingly enough, the day of like my second show... I was like sick to my stomach, nervous, and as soon as I started practicing and repeating the jokes yeah. aloud, I felt better. Oh yes, repetition is your friend. It, oh my god, there's so much comfort in that. Even if it's boring, uh, driving, I drive a lot, and I talk to myself constantly while I'm driving, saying lines, saying, yeah. saying the words over and over again. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying because I'm so connected to the script. I'm just saying the lines over and over again. There's no shortcut around it. You no gotta sure. do the work. And it's also just like to how you say the words. Like you probably yeah. say the same line a different way. Yeah, you don't want to get locked into any way, any one way to say it because on the day it's gonna change. It's gonna change. The way you think you're gonna say it on the day when they call action, hopefully it doesn't come out the way you practice. Hopefully it comes out fresh, unique, and in the moment and in correspondence to what that person said to you. Right. <laughs> you and know? how they say it. And how they say it and what their mood is and how it feels in the room. So that's why it's so good to be super prepared. In acting school, they always tell you, yeah, learn everything, be super memorized, and then on the day, throw the script away and forget everything you learned. Interesting. <laughs> that is so fascinating. Go with it. Just go with the moment. And like, improv's the same way. Like, we, right. we studied a lot of improv, too, in, in college. I got to work with some SCTV guys, and uh, Alan Gutman was my improv teacher, and he took it so seriously, improv. It was... Uh, it was like a Bible to him. Really? And it wasn't about being funny. It was about accepting offers, never saying no, always saying yes and. Yes and. How yes can, and. How can I make my scene partner look awesome? And so it was always about that. And that was one of the things I took, I think, from acting school was improv class. It was the best thing I could have taken. Damn. Yeah. And well, especially for, yeah, if you if you want to do acting and comedy, like that's a good skill to have. Yeah, just agreement. Improv. Just working with somebody and saying, yes, your idea is awesome and I want to add this to it. And then they want to add to your idea. Next thing you know, well, we never focused on even being funny in improv. We just focused on having a, a real connection and carrying ideas. And then we started having fun and getting funny and the stuff like that. The bouncing off of each other. Yeah, I could aspect. never do... Comedians who do oh, improv, god, oh my yeah. god, what a skill and Holy how smokes. brave are they? Uh, yeah. I think it's a great skill for anybody to learn improv. I'll never forget my first time, well, not my first time, but one time that I went to New York, New York City, uh, we randomly went to like an improv show and it was so fun. It was <laughs> wild. It's reckless. It's just like on the edge. You don't know if it's going to be shitty or awesome. <laughs> yeah. And luckily these performers are so good and people who study improv are so good. They always bring you to a good place, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it, oh, I really envy folks who can do that. Yeah. Know? Shout out to Hello City, I believe, is yeah. our local improv yeah. um, team here in Halifax. They're great. I'd like to like get one of those people on. You should eventually and talk to them because yeah, that's Henry. that's wild to me. Like just the idea of like going up there with nothing. Yeah, and like you get like a word or like you get a, you get 
something and you have to just roll with it. That's uh, with no preconceived notions. Because if you come in there planning it, it's not going to it's going to suck. You can't even have a plan. You got to be like so like in the moment ready to go, you know. Wild. Yeah. So it's a delicate balance, like learning that stand up set or learning those scripts in the line, learning your script. It's just such a monotonous job. But then once, when, once you get that work out of the way, then the fun starts. Then you can Dang. start playing with it. Then you can start being real. And oh, how would I do this if this happened to me? You know, and then you start internalizing it more and the words don't even matter anymore. Right. Do you guys do you do any vocal exercises? I used to when I did theater, but I yeah. find with film, if you can talk like this, it's usually best if you just like a whisper yeah usually talking like this in film is the best way to go <laughs> so, really yeah because i'm the type that fucking hates when i'm watching a movie and i go i can't hear them that's the style you know they got mics up to your ass right so they're you know that's true if you're too loud it, it shows and uh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a tv series with adrian brody coming up and we did our read through yes mr adrian brody the big academy award winner so we did a zoom call with, with to read the script and and he was on there and that's if you want to be an academy award winner you gotta talk like this that's the most important thing is talking real low, real low. he's really good at it yeah <laughs> so if he's talking to you like that you can't come in hey what's going on you know anyway you can't be that is very interesting yeah so i don't do much vocal no when i did okay. live stage performance though yeah i would to a point but you know you just get used to it. You're talking all the time. You talk all the time on your podcast. I do. Are you here doing warm ups? But I guess, but, but like, trans- that's that's why it's so hard for me going into stand up where it's like, okay, I have to say these things. I stumble on so many words, and it's just like so frustrating. Um, like, and but then again, I think the repetition thing is really important. Yeah, we took a lot of classes too on how to loosen up the mouth and the lips and all yeah. these little tongue. Like you have to and- like over express sometimes yeah yeah yeah. like in a weird way nowadays my warm-up is a smoke and a red bull that's pretty much i love that i fucking love red bull so much (laughs) especially at a 6 a.m call time or 5 a.m call time i'm smoking a red bull i'm ready to go let's do the scene are you so in working in film you must have had some fucking early mornings oh yeah they go and late nights too all night shoots i did a movie with stephanie clattenberg who's a local filmmaker no, her. i'm following her oh she's fantastic ah. what a what a what a powerhouse filmmaker she is and uh she uh we post-production now for night blooms which is her movie that she's uh is coming out and i was in that with uh, nick stall who is famous for being in terminator three uh the one that wasn't good <laughs> but he's still the shit nick stall is cool so i got to work with him oh, on that which was fun but that was a night shoot so we started working at uh, 10 at night and we shot all night in a dusty dirty little house in dartmouth uh and we did a fight scene oh, crazy. Uh, and uh, we finished at 7 a.m and it was awesome the energy you get working nights with somebody a small crew you know you're fired up it's a it's a weird atmosphere it's probably you're running on adrenaline yeah yeah and red bull and smokes (laughs) (laughs) oh man because otherwise like doing a monotonous job like i like security guards you know standing there all day like how boring would that be god bless them for doing their job but i couldn't do it for heck's sakes i would just be nodding off i'd just be waiting for a fight who, who yeah, that's right. Me? Who wants to fight? But mornings are great, actually, because I find actors are the most fresh in the morning. Like Chelsea Peretti, the best scenes that we shot were in the morning. Really? Because she was fresh, fired up. The kid was taken care of. She had no worries. 
and she was ready to start her day. So I think the best scenes, uh, the first scene that we shot together in the bar at, in the seahorse was uh, seven in the morning. And uh, that was the, the first scene you shot was the stand up scene. And we uh, not the stand up scene, but one we, where in the bar where we had, were chatting. Oh, that's right. And uh, it was, yeah, 7 a.m. But she was on fire. I was on fire. We had a really nice morning together. So sometimes the freshest stuff comes in the morning where you're the most vulnerable. You know, you don't have your whole day to, you know, the morning to To build up all that bullshit. You're just out of bed, coffee, breakfast. Let's work. Go. You know, so I love working mornings and I love working night shifts. It's those 3 p.m. Oh, call I hate times. 3 p.m. Like, 3 p.m. Oh. is nap time. Yeah, it's not time to start work. It's, it's either nap time or coffee time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, not- I love early mornings. Yeah, they're great to work. Damn. Yeah, much different than stand-up, I guess. Where it's, you start yes. at 1 a.m. I always say I, I say that stand-up is not a daytime. <laughs> that the sun needs to go down. Yeah. For stand-up. The night people need to come out. You need yeah, to come so. out. You mentioned Adrian Brody. Yeah. Have you had any other, like, starstruck moments with anyone you've met, like, where you've been like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, Mike Clattenburg, the first time I met him, I was working on uh, Moving Day, uh, which was a film we, I did with uh, Will Sasso, Charlie Murphy, um, a few other great actors, and... Uh, I was really nervous to meet Mike Clattenburg, oh, yeah? creator and director of the Trailer Park Boys. I hadn't done Trailer Park Boys yet at that time. And so he came right to me and said, Dave, how are you? Nice to meet you. You want to come into my trailer? We're going to talk to Charlie Murphy. Are you excited to meet Charlie Murphy? And I said, I am, Mike. I said, I'm super excited to meet you as well. I'm a huge fan. I've watched every season of Trailer Park Boys. I, I, I love your work. And he said, oh, Dave, fuck it, man. I'm from Dartmouth. You can find me in Sobeys. Come oh, on, my let's, God. <laughs> let's go talk to Charlie Murphy. So we went and had a uh, a meeting with Charlie for the scene that we were going to do. And it was uh, one of the great pleasures of my life to meet and work with Charlie Murphy. Uh, I think my favorite moment was when we – it was snowing on set. And Charlie didn't want to work in the snow. So he's, so we went and waited in a van and I was standing outside because I didn't want to bother the big movie star. Oh my Don't God. bother Charlie Murphy. You just, so the, the production team said, just go sit in the van with Charlie Murphy. Okay. So I sat right next to him, just him and I in a van for 30 minutes. Yeah. Don't say Chappelle show. Don't say Chappelle show. <laughs> Don't say Rick James, bitch. Don't say it. And we had we had one of the most realist conversations I've ever had. No way, we, really. We talked about his family, where he grew up in Chicago. We talked about his kids. He was trying to talk me back into going into karate, which I used to do when I was a teenager. And he said, "Oh, it was a really valuable moment, and uh, I'll never forget that that he took Holy the time to talk shit. to me." So that's that wild. that's the greatest moment. Yeah. That's the greatest one. But you've met probably a lot of famous people, eh? I worked with Jane Seymour, uh, Doctor oh Quinn, medicine God, woman. Jane- she was in lingerie in front of me and I what was, uh, yeah, she was playing like this cougar mom in uh, a series called Let's Get Physical that they shot here. And oh my God. So that was God. pretty neat. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. It, it, I feel very privileged to get to work with uh, Hollywood actors that come to our small little city to do these movies and the production companies trust local actors like me to come in and and work with these guys and work with them and not like leak their locations or like yeah and stuff not like that not be an asshole and not oh yeah. please can i take a picture or can i get an autograph or mm-hmm. you know you, you just go in and do your job you gotta be chill gentle yeah. the starstruck thing it's always interesting how people deal with that because some people are very much so like can i get a picture with you yeah and i that's so like i would much rather have an experience like you had where it was like you got to talk to them just real life stuff with them 
Like, don't don't just ask for a picture. Like, well, and don't and talk be about... Be in the moment and just talk to them. Yeah, and don't talk about, like, the thing you may know them from because ah! they've heard that a million times. So what can I shoot the shit with that'll make it different? That's Usually, right. have you ever been to Halifax before is the first question I'll ask a movie star if I'm stuck with them for 10 minutes awkwardly. That's good because you can tell them, like, you can recommend places for them yeah. to see. You can kind of act like, like you know... Like you're welcoming them to the city. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you eaten here? Have you tried this yet? You know, just simple stuff. No need to get into the history of their work. They just want to do their job too. So yeah, it's good to just keep your distance, show up, hit your mark, say your lines and get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> and it's also like, I imagine too, if you're like, if you've lived, if you live in the city that you're shooting in, you probably want them to really like your city. Yeah, I do. In a way. Yeah. Because I remember when, uh, when I found out about Chelsea being here for the movie, like, there was like so many tweets being like, she's, she's on, she's on this street right now. Like, like, <laughs> like, like people are insane here. That's it so is cool. such a small city. Yeah. So like, like, yeah, if you happen to see like Robert Pattinson was here doing the lighthouse. I yes, think, he was. Bit. Yeah. And he was seen at like one of the bars. He was, I think, Stillwell or something. Oh, cool. Having and a couple so, beers like, at Stillwell. Yeah. Cause they, when, uh, the Hollywood actors come here, they stay usually at Bishop's Landing. Right. Places like that. So they're down in the ritzy part of town. So it's usually you go to the bicycle thief or go here or go there if you want to pop up to Spring Garden and see some real Halifax bars. You Hell know. yeah. Yeah. It's just always so wild when like famous people know where Halifax is. Most of them I do get not. why they do because like because of so much film happening here. But but it, it's still just like, oh, they know us. Yeah. Like it, it's that moment of like. And they always are reminiscent. Oh, this place reminds me of a place that I grew up in or it reminds right. me of this and it's nostalgia. So it's it's always a good icebreaker uh, with movie stars. It's like, how, like where have you been have you been anywhere similar like this yeah. da, 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 da. how long are you in town for you like your accommodations you know not oh my god i love that scene you did in that movie 12 years ago and they're like yeah that's okay. right back of the line buddy. don't fan girl so much <laughs> don't fan boy or fan girl exactly it's so important and it's so hard not to do sometimes it's so hard not to do because you only have those little moments with that so you want to uh, make an impression but usually <laughs> what you think is the right impression is yeah is not at all. Cuba Gooding Jr. I hung out with him in a bar out Shut in the fuck uh, up, yeah what? the Book of Negroes. We were shooting that for CBC, and I had a very small part in that. And we shot that in uh, uh, Cape Breton, and we were all staying at the same hotel. So Cuba Gooding Jr. was in the hotel bar having dinner with. Uh, I was there with the stunt team because we were doing stunt stuff for that show. Holy smokes! And uh, he was so outgoing. He wanted to talk with us, buy us drinks, wanted to talk about hockey, even though I don't like hockey. I said, hey, if he wants, oh, not not like it, but I don't follow it. But you'll talk about it. Hey, if Cuba Gooding Jr. wants to talk about the Leafs, <laughs> I can pull some shit out about the Leafs, sure. So, That's right. So you never know what you're going to get. He was not private at all. Really? <laughs> he wanted to talk to all of us. So, And he was a really nice guy. He's exactly what you would think he would be or what he I chose. That. I love that. I hate when I find out people are jerks. Yeah. Like that you like. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. you got to think like they're probably having a bad day or like it might not be that. Like it's it not might not the be time. the true. Yeah. Part. When you or hear multiple working. accounts of like them being shitty, yeah. then it's like. Eh, well, I've never had anybody shit. say, don't look at them. Don't talk to them. Don't oh, yeah? do. But, you know, I haven't heard that yet. So that's good. You hear of that happening, though. Like yeah. it's wild. Like why? Well, maybe if I work with Julia Roberts, maybe that'll happen or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Which you will. Put it out into the universe you, you will work with julia roberts oh that's a good question that's actually. my goal who like who would you most want to work with in terms of acting who would i who's your bucket list co-star you know 
I've had a couple of beers, so I probably would have to say if I could ever work with somebody, it would be Sylvester Stallone. I love him to death. Uh-huh. And I just want to get shot by him or stabbed <laughs> by him, punched in the face by him. No, I, honestly, it was the Trailer Park Boys when I first moved to Halifax. Mm. I thought, what a dream it would be to work with those guys. And then I had the opportunity. And then I thought, wow, what if I got to do another season? And then I got lucky. Whoa. What if I got to get punched by Julian? And then I got punched by Julian. So I was like, okay, I chopped all those off Holy on the list. <laughs> so now you can just go right up to Sylvester. Yeah, I'd love to do Sylvester Stallone. But honestly, I, 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 no, I'm, I'm easy. I like to call myself a hired gun. I'm hired to do a job. And I'll, I'll, you know, I want to go in and do it the best I can, no matter who I'm working with. You know, That's but, awesome. Yeah, be a dream to work with Stallone. I love him. Oh, <laughs> but, my gosh. But who knows? What about types of movies? Like, is there anything... That you think like you'd want to do that you I, haven't done yet. I love action movies. I'd love to do more action and stunts and shooting guns and stuff like that. I love that shit. I'm so fascinated as to how those things are filmed. A lot done. of time. A lot of time. Yeah. A lot of practice. Yeah. When yeah. I did that fight scene with uh, Nick Stahl in a movie, it was it felt so natural because I did a lot of stage combat before. So I, I'd love to do more stunts and things like that. But I would also love to do more period pieces like Ooh. 17th century, 18th century stuff. Um, I tend to fit into that world pretty good. And uh, yeah, luckily this next project, uh, Chapel Wait, that's filming next month here in Halifax, that, that kind of fits in there. So this is kind of a dream job coming up too Holy that I'm excited about. That's balls. the Adrian Brody one. Yeah, Shitballs is so right. So Adrian Brody is going to be around Halifax. He's in town right now. He's quarantining. Shut the He's fuck got up. a quarantine for 14 days before he starts shooting. That is so wild. Yeah, and also in that show will be... Um, if you could cut out the pause here. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek. Oh, cool. Yeah, she played Stevie on that show, and she's the other lead. She's playing opposite Adrian Brody. Maybe love interest. I'm not sure. I've only read one script, but... Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. And this is a show. TV and show? this will be a TV series based on a Stephen King novel. Yeah. Lots of Stephen King stuff gets shot here. Maine. We look like Maine. We do look like Maine. And we're cheaper than Maine. We're cheaper. <laughs> we cost I'm, less. Who knows when you can film? <laughs> U.S. isn't open yet. Yeah, exactly. And, and we have a great incentive program for companies from the States to come up here and shoot movies. We've got the talent. We've got the crews. We've got the locations. It's a great place to shoot movies. Have you ever been like extras like a random extra on anything yeah exciting. that's how i started yeah yeah extra work? I, in toronto i wanted to learn how to do it and i think it's great if anybody wants to get into film start being a background yeah actor just do it it's easy you don't have to be in the union they look for everybody who's anybody can can do it uh aaron hennessy hennessy casting okay uh she's got a website you can just google hennessy casting you can put a profile on there Ah. And uh, she puts out calls and they're always looking for normal, regular people to. And so when I was doing that, I learned how to be on set. What, yeah. what the etiquette is in Toronto they usually want the background people to stay in a room off to the side <laughs> yeah don't we'll we'll call you <laughs> but I used to sneak in to where they were filming so I could watch how the actors behaved and watched how it worked on on set so I kind of educated myself that way by doing background work. And then said, okay, I'm going to set that aside and start auditioning for day player roles. One line, two line, three line. And then it just kind of built from there where I just started building a reputation as doing parts. But I started doing background. It's incredibly boring. Mm. Takes all day, but you get fed. 
and bring a book. And you get to say you were in this movie. And you get to say, yeah, you could pause it and see yourself in the background. So but, funny. <laughs> but all in all, you get Can paid you for it. Can imagine doing all of that and then not being able to find yourself? Oh, yeah. That would suck. <laughs> it happens, though. That would really suck, but you're there. You're there to contribute to the energy. You were there the to scene. watch the process happen and kind of get an idea of how it works. So if you want to get started in film, even acting, anybody can do it. You just find, get a profile. I want to do that. I'm going to make a profile. It's a great way to make a couple extra bucks, too. Do they pay? They I absolutely they pay. Paid. Oh, yeah, they pay. Shut up. 100%. If you're in the union, you get paid a little more. If you're not, you get paid a little less. I think it's, uh, I don't know, 15, 16 bucks an hour, something like that. Whoa. And it's all day. Well, I mean, even just to do it to be like, to see, because I think that's what you said, like, like kind of observing yeah. how everything works and all these, how all these components go together and how not that, to be an that asshole. Be invaluable. Yeah. I mean, don't fuck up. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Right now, I, I think they're it. looking for kids for chapel weight uh, to pose as dead children. <laughs> So if you got some kids, listeners, if you have kids and you want them to be dead on on a TV show, that's wild. Uh, they're looking for dead kids. Have you ever been killed on screen? Uh, I got fucked up pretty bad on a show called Haven. Uh, that I they know shot Haven. Haven. Yeah, like, that's like yeah. That's... I was like in the, uh, the the theme of the show was uh, if you if this lady drew you and then fucked up the paper, ripped it up, it would screw you up like a like a voodoo thing. So she drew a picture of me and folded me in half. So there's a scene where I get bent to shit. My arms get bent and legs get oh, bent whoa. and all this stuff. So yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> That's so you were not really dead, but kind of. I was pretty much. fucked up. Pretty and then dead. in the hospital for the next scene. So I got two days out of that. I got to be the killed on the boat and then in the hospital afterwards. Uh, Man, that'd be wild. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I had to have a cast put on and yeah, all this stuff. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, that's well, cl- close to death I've ever been, I think. Holy shit. <laughs> so you've done, you've done, you've truly done a lot. You've enough, done- enough. I would love to do more, but in the 12 years of acting here in Halifax, it's been very good to me. I, I've been very lucky. That's amazing. Thankful. Yeah. And I- it's so cool that like, so many people do acting, but then they do other things. And you just like, these are people like you wouldn't expect. Like you wouldn't always expect the person doing your karaoke. <laughs> like is now going to be in a show with Adrian. You know what I mean? Like it's just wild to me. It's different world. I'll tell you. And it's kind of secretive. I feel like a superhero sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, by day I'm doing this, but at night I get to work with these really great people and great film crews and tell these amazing stories. And I often don't talk about it very much. I keep it to myself. So when I had this movie, I was really excited to call you about it because I thought that it would fit in well with your with your it show really, as well. It really, and really does. The themes in it are truly amazing. And you said you said I think in your message that this is like the one that you're most proud of, right? I am most movies? proud of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I wanted to call you about it and talk about it a little bit because it's uh, you know one of the larger roles I've had, and I really like the movie, and I, so I'm really good. proud of, that it was shot here in Nova Scotia and that I could be a part of it with so many other great actors from town. So many great things about it. Just the fact that. She, it's more about her finding herself and also like the entrepreneurial spirit. Like yeah. in the movie, she wants to open a restaurant. I won't spoil anything. <laughs> you got to watch the movie. But it's just, it's just such a good message to send girls. Yeah. Because so many movies are, you just got to get the guy. You got to end up with the guy. The guy, you, you know, and this was such a realistic approach of like self-love yeah. and self-discovery. With and- a few twists along the way too, where you think... Oh, is this going to fall into a cliche that yes! we're used to? But then the writing is really good where they'll twist it around twist and show it. you something different. They twist it. It's a little it. more realistic. Yeah, I think I saw one of the reviews say it's like an anti-rom-com. Mm-hmm. And I would agree. 
Anti rom com. I like that. Even though there are, there was like a really like near in the end, there was a really romantic moment. Could have been. Uh, yeah. And like I really appreciated that. Again with the scenes, like I was just like, where is that filmed? I know that the restaurant was in the North End. I think it was a place called Wild Lake or something. It is Wild Lake. Yeah. Yes, it is Wild Lake. Only they had to get rid of all the signage at the beginning and board it up, and then put up Gabby's restaurant there. So yeah, yeah that's exactly where it was. Filmed. That is so crazy. Yeah, I want to go there for lunch now and see how it looks. I know, and then it kind of feels like you're in her restaurant a little bit. Like, yeah, where it's is tourism, she? film tourism, man. It's like oh let's see where they shot all this movie. You it, know? It, it, it's it, all over Gottage and Street. It's all over. Uh, the north end it's even yeah. just like the shots of her apartment i'm like that's so halifax that's, that's so, so halifax. like and it even kind of reminded me of like just like nova scotia in general like that yeah, and they even go and to feel. peggy's cove peggy's they cove, do some yeah. stuff out there and i remember talking to chelsea Pretty, and she said that it was unbelievably beautiful there and oh. how lucky are we that we get to go there whenever we want it's only I, half an hour away i hope she liked halifax and she did yeah she really did uh she loved the city and she loved the people and uh she loved working on the movie. I could tell that she really enjoyed. Was really it's her first role as a her first feature film role that she carries the movie. That's right, and main I think character. She carried main the character. hell out of it. She really, really freaking did. Yeah. And how long did the the filming take overall? Only like two and a half weeks. It was what? a million dollar budget, which is not a lot. It was only a million bucks, and probably most of it went to Chelsea Peretti in her trailer. But no way! <laughs> so two weeks. Two and a half weeks that's to make a movie? Weeks. Yeah, and that's yeah, tight. Filming. That's quick. Right. That's, you'd prefer to have a little longer than that, but budgets are tight these days. Like, right. That's about the time you get, two or three For weeks. For that, like, you, wow, what a what an excellent job. Now, a TV series, that's like making six or eight little movies, right? Each yeah, episode wait. is an hour, so it's, uh, I think they'll be filming uh, Chapel Wait until November. So that's a, that's a long job right that's there. That's what, if you had to pick one, yeah. gun to your head... Movies or TV? Which would you go with? Ooh, movies. Yeah. Yeah, movies. Because yeah. you yeah. can tell more detailed stories and there's less pandering, I find. With television, you have to kind of... Well, you know, I shouldn't say that because with Netflix and streaming services, we are at peak TV right now and there is some really good shit coming out. Ooh, what do you like? What are you into? What do I watch? I actually... I have no idea of your TV taste. Me neither. I don't watch a lot. I don't honestly, watch a lot right now. Honestly, I try to get away from fiction as much as I can. Uh, I watch reality TV. Do you really? <laughs> I, I watch Pawn Stars. I watch HGTV. I watch the news a little too much. Um, That's so funny. I really liked Ozarks. I, I, dug, oh, okay. I dug into that. I yeah, really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, I like those kind of Breaking Bad type shows. But sometimes the drama is too much. I need, I need to just chill out when I watch TV and watch stupid stuff. Uh-huh. Especially because you're kind of in it. Yeah, RuPaul. I love RuPaul. I watch the That's shit out of uh, so Drag Race. <laughs> I love all that stuff. What about like, what about like these, like the, like the Netflix dating shows? Like, um... Oh, I watched the Blind, Blind Love. Oh, Love is Blind. Love is Blind. Yeah. I watched that one. That was wild. Couldn't believe it. And then COVID hit and it was like, well, that seemed normal compared to what we're doing now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I've watched a few dating shows. They're fun. They're fun. I totally painful. I'm thankful I'm not in the scene because I don't know what the hell I would do as a 40 year old single guy nowadays. Uh, I got yeah, scooped be, up. Be, kind be of, very glad. I, be very glad. I, I am just pre Tinder. I was like, really? How did you meet your karaoke bar? She sang Tragically Hip, I sang Meatloaf, and the rest is history, Wait, I guess. so was it you weren't working the karaoke? <laughs> I was hosting. Oh, yeah, you she, were? She hit on the karaoke guy <gasps> and uh, did well, I guess. 
didn't realize that's how you met. Yeah, we met at the Fickle Frog, actually. Man, that fucking place bringing so many people together. Yeah, it was the trend. She sang some hip, and after that, I was like, oh. Do you remember what song it it was? Uh, Blow It High Dough. Great one. (laughs) Oh, maybe a little dirty, too. I don't know. Maybe she was hinting at something. (laughs) (laughs) Subliminal messaging. So for people who do karaoke, I know that I have a few listeners who do karaoke. I love karaoke. What, in your opinion, makes a good karaoke song? This is very important. You, so many people pick the wrong songs. Yeah, people want to be crowd pleasers, I think, a lot of the time. In, uh, or people want to get too crazy and do Eminem. I've never done That was my favorite. I've never done karaoke before. Here's my song, Lose Yourself by Eminem. Are you fucking crazy? This is the hardest song you could ever do. And then they go up and they crap out halfway through. Uh, yeah, go simple and something that you know and love. Something that you know in your range. That helps. Or something that you just are, you feel like doing. I think that's the most important thing. If you feel, I always would say that to people. I'd say, hey man, it's your dime. You sing whatever the hell you want to sing. Yeah, don't worry about the crowd. That's so interesting because I always used to take the approach of you need a crowd pleaser. Yeah. But. Depends. Sometimes that's both. Sometimes, you know. Depends what you feel okay. like that night. Okay. If you want to piss I'm, off the bar, you know, you might. I need to know now. Now, now I'm really curious with the karaoke stuff. What is a song that when you see the friggin' slip of paper that says the song name that you yeah. go? <sighs> oh, uh, a picture, Kid Rock. And <laughs> Cheryl Crow. Every time. Because it's the go-to couple song, right? It is. And the people that want to sing that, it's always 1.30 in the morning or 2 in the morning. And they have already are way too drunk to sing in general. It's two people, so that's problems. It's way higher than they think. It's a nightmare. I hate it. Every oh time I hear it, I go, I leave the room. I press play and leave. What about like, what about like the Don't Stop Believing? I love it. Really? I love it too. You can never sing Don't Stop Believing enough because I want to see, uh, most people suck singing it, but that's yeah. okay because the whole bar sings it, so it's fun. But sometimes people are really, really good at it. And you're like, oh my God, you hit every note that Stephen Perry hit. <laughs> How did you do that? So that's sometimes wild. people kill it. Yeah. But you can't go wrong because, like, Sweet Caroline, Don't Stop Believing, any Elton John, any Billy Joel, you know, No Doubt, uh-huh. uh, any of that great 90s grunge, Gwen Stefani, all that stuff is it, it works. It works and it's easy to sing. Maybe don't throw out some Pearl Jam. That's a, always a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, see people fair. say, oh, I want to rock Pearl Jam. That's Bohemian any better. Rhapsody. Love it. Sing it, please. It gives me a bathroom break, a smoke break. <laughs> I can roll a joint, smoke a joint, order a beer. Please sing Bohemian Rhapsody. We love it. Yeah. Karaoke hosts love long songs. That's so, and you're pretty good <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I do. You will, if someone is doing not so great or someone needs a little help, you'll sing with them sometimes. sometimes I will. Sometimes I will because it's so painful. You just want to, <laughs> please, let's, let's all sing along and help this person. A lot of times I'll say, fuck it, and say, I'm out of here. They let them burn their own. Yeah. <laughs> let them be the dumpster fire that they are. <laughs> but it's karaoke. It's supposed to be bad. Oftentimes, if it's too good, nobody cares. That's right. If it's too good, it's like, oh, this person's a good singer. Next. Right. And, uh, oh, this person's crazy. This is fun. And now while we're on the honesty subject of songs, let's talk wedding reception songs. Yeah. You've probably seen a lot of couples... Do do their first dance. Yeah. What yeah. do you think is like the most cliche 
Um, her most common. I think it's cliche when you use the number one song that summer. Yeah, which is there was one summer that the uh, that John Legend song. Yeah, all was of like me. The only song couples pick. Yeah, there was that. There's uh, maybe two or three Ed Sheeran tunes that it's yes. just like, uh <laughs> like this Everyone song just this. came out. Don't you have a history with your loved yeah. one where you have maybe a song that you enjoyed when you were just dating yeah. or something like that? Like so this, much better. Does it have to be the most current? Top 40 radio songs. So I find that a touch cheesy. Yeah. Uh, they're good songs, so you can't complain and they're easy to dance to. But yeah, if, oh, it's, it looks like it's going to be perfect by Ed Sheeran again. again. <laughs> this is the fifth time this summer. <laughs> so it's a little cheesy, you know, but if you hear like, oh, geez, a, a Tom Waits song come up or. So you know, nice, somebody, yeah. yeah, it's like, or oh, something this is you don't rare. know, or something odd, something from so the much, 30s, even, you know, it's so much more personable yeah. to them. Do you have a song with your, with your lady? What did we went through a lot? Uh, we did Heaven by Brian Adams. Oh, I love it. But the only reason is because we'd like to rock out to that song. It's a great one. Uh, so it was more, not so sentimental as it. This song just kicks ass as a ballad. It is a kick yeah. ass ballad. And then we had a couple other ones, uh, some Blue Rodeo tunes in there too. Oh, I fucking, uh, love, I fucking love Blue Rodeo. Yeah, so we much. chose as our slow songs for our wedding. Did you uh, have a big wedding? No, very small, fifty people. Yeah, very tiny. Good for you. Very small. So hell of a dance party. We had a great time. Did you? Where was it? Uh, Prince George Hotel, which is my favorite venue. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, for weddings. Hotel. It's a great hotel. It's, the staff is fantastic. It there. really the is food, truly. Very good. If you want to have a party and if you want people to get drunk, have your wedding in a hotel. Uh, yeah. So that they don't have to worry about, oh, I have to drive a half hour out of the city yeah. to get to you. We're going to have to figure out. Like, like make it as easy for your guests as possible. Yeah. yeah. You know? So they can have a good time. Nobody drives home. They no one drives home. Hotel. Sure, they got to pay a little bit more, but. It's worth it. It's totally worth yeah, it. Yeah, the Weston's a great place to have a wedding. That's a great Prince wedding. George. I've worked at so many wedding venues around the town. I think all of them. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> How many weddings did we do last year? Uh, I, I did, <laughs> I did 50. Holy shit. Three weddings in the, Holy shit. So that's pretty much one a, one a week. That's for the Weston. It was a lot, a lot of weddings. What's like the weirdest wedding that you've witnessed? Weirdest one. It was, uh, a fourth wedding for this guy. So oh this was his gosh. fourth wedding. Holy smokes. So it was kind of like same seats, everybody, you know, we, is this, so it was, it, it was definitely not a celebration vibe in the room and the DJ was set up like here <laughs> and then everyone else was like way over here and the dance floor was in the middle. Nobody danced. It was awkward as shit. Oh, I hate that. It was like, obli- like an obligation. Everyone yes. had to be there. There was no love in the room. Oh. Oh, damn. Yeah. So usually third or fourth weddings. Yeah. Yeah. At that Those point, maybe just go to town hall. Yeah. Go to town hall. Yeah. Or, or do it in your living room. Keep it small. You don't need to rent the same venue that you had your last wedding at. Holy either. shit. That's, that's what the people were telling me at the Legion. They were like, oh, yeah, he got married here two years ago and it was to a different lady. That <laughs> is oh, shit. wild. Yeah. Do you think you have a good eye? Okay. I'm, so, I'm like asking a lot of wedding questions. Uh, yeah, now. I'll take it, man. Because <laughs> you, you've witnessed so many. Yes. Many, um, many, 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 many. Do you ever have a good eye for like. This couple's not going to last, or this couple will last. Or... <laughs> uh, I get uh, uh, nervous around the 21 and 22-year-olds that get married. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, they were high school sweethearts, and it's they lived on the same street, and they're 23 years old and so getting married, and they have more people in their wedding party than there are in oh the audience. God. 12 oh people, God. 12 guys, 12 girls. I'm, I don't even have that many friends. That <laughs> is wild. 
So I was, I'm like, wow, 22. Like I was 34, I think, when I got married. Yeah. So, uh, and a lot in, of relationships in between there yeah. to try it out to see. You got to try on the shoes before you buy the Holy pair, right? Smell. I can't imagine that young. Like the same person that you've been with since high school and you're going to marry them, spend the rest of your life. That's wild. I don't know. I, I would be shocked. It, it does happen. Yeah. It, it can happen, but it, it is extremely rare. That it's, you would stay together after, you yeah. know, like high school sweethearts would stay together. I always hope for the best, though. I always try to find the love in the room and oh, that's some sweet and help that out, out, you know. But sometimes they're more concerned about the wedding being pleasing people than they are about pleasing themselves. And that's the sad part about weddings yeah. is is that it is very like performative and like trying to prove that. Yeah, like a this is your party you know what I mean like I relax know. have a good time with your friends it's never going to happen again so get drunk stand on the table break some shit get in a fight that's right do all that stuff don't make it boring don't have a boring wedding that's I, the worst I, I, like I when I think of the best weddings I've been to I, I I don't know if they'll be listening to this, but I would say Jesse and Sandra's was great over at uh Oh at the I was there, the Wooden Monkey. Yeah, you did it, yeah. You that did was that a one. nice wedding. I really enjoyed that one. That was fantastic. And Melanie and Ben's was amazing yes. too. It was just very like chill. Like you're just like in a pub with your friends dancing yeah. and drinking. And good people at the wedding. Good friends. Good people. Not too many extra people that are seat fillers. That's right. Why pay? Keep, why buy their meal? Just keep the local keep people. Keep it small. Keep it simple. And keep actually, nowadays, what are they saying? Less faces, bigger spaces. Ooh. You know, for COVID nineteen, we gotta. It's gonna be interesting seeing what happens with weddings, like going forward, because you really gotta plan a wedding. Yeah. And at, in this state of the world, like if you're if you're trying to get married a year from now. Who the fuck knows is oh, what's know. going to happen in a year from now? Yeah, they're hoping. You know, we've got like, a lot of 2021 bookings. We'll see. <laughs> Everything 2020 has been canceled. We'll see what happens 2021. God, that's so wild. But things happen for a reason. So, I mean, I've been saying that, you know, maybe I need to focus more on, you know, when COVID-19 came, I was like, well, that just fucked all the work I have. Every mm -hmm. single job I ever had. Maybe it's time to reboot. Think That's of something right. different. How did you do mentally during the lockdown? Poorly. Do, were you someone who... Because I feel like there's two <laughs> types of people and it's there's no in-betweens. There's the people who really, really felt it and really got hit hard with it, like mentally. Yeah. And then there's other people who truly just rolled with it and like... and. These crazy people who are like thrive from having no plans and staying home all day. I don't know who you are. How did you do? I don't, yeah, where were you on that I, spectrum? I, oh, I was I was on the like bad end. Yeah. Like I, it was really not good. Like probably the most depressed I've ever been. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah, yeah. I had quite a few depressive episodes yeah. where I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. I didn't have much reason to. Uh, and it was hard. Uh, yeah, there was a, a few weeks, I'd say, where it was really up and down. Uh, I started off strong, though, because I was yeah. like, this is great. I've been preparing for this shit my whole life. <laughs> I got food. Got I've your, got your everything. Yeah. yeah, I got a food locker. We are set. I live out in the woods, in the bush now. I, everything's fine. But, uh, you know, I think we all got a little COVID fatigue as time went on. The isolation. I don't have family here. I, I don't have a ton yeah. of close friends in Halifax. So I was really by myself for, for a long time. And I thrive by myself, but there are other times where I, I, I'm really hard on myself too. And so there were some times where I was really down in the dumps and other times where I was, I felt bipolar half the time. Yeah, I was, no, I agree. You know, 
know, I was painting the house one day and the next day I was drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, so, man. And then I was doing yoga the next day and push-ups and the next day I smoked a pound of weed. You know, it's man, like... Man, <laughs> you're, you're totally... I totally get that. Like, the highs feel very high and yeah. then the lows feel very low. Yeah, I can't imagine some people who have a lot of mental health issues trying to get through this mm-hmm. uh, pandemic and it's not Crazy. getting easier and it's not going to slow down. So we all have to really adapt and... Yeah. And also get used to like, like right now we're really lucky in Halifax because yes. things are, restaurants are open, you know, like some places are doing live music again. Like you can go out and socialize. We gotta like be prepared for that to potentially be taken away yeah. again. And that's the sad, like the sad part of all of this. Yeah, it's, of it's a ride and we're all on it together and uh, we have to be respectful of everybody. And I think we have to also be adaptive and uh, we have to be kind and wear just your fucking masks wear your fucking masks jesus christ <laughs> Jeez. just put it on it's no big deal i felt so bad because there's times that i like i'll have my mask on me but i'll just all of a sudden really forget like you can't you don't have to wear them outside uh i was walking into five guys and i just didn't I didn't think to put it on. And the, the person was like, do you mind wearing your mask? And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm that person. Oh, no. I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. It's just 11 p.m. and I want a burger. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're, you're outside finding a, a napkin and, and rubber yeah. bands. <laughs> I want my burger. Five Guys is so fucking good. Their french fries are like the best french fries. As soon as Five Guys came... I was I was a vegetarian. Uh, I, ju- I had just turned vegetarian like uh, six months before Five Guys came, and that's my favorite burger place in the states. No way. And I'm like, uh, what now was I can't the veggie choice uh, for health reasons? Yeah, watching huh. enough of those yeah. uh, shows, and uh, then it was health reasons and documentaries and education, and then I thought, eh, what the hell, do it, and then it's uh, never looked back. Really, it's genuinely. I mean, I think generally better for you for yeah, sure. I felt better. I mean, it's no miracle cure. I'm not any healthier, super healthier, but I haven't. You know, uh, I don't know. It's it's good. It's, it's a, a habit. It becomes a habit not eating meat, and it's easier. That's yeah, that's interesting. And like, I think it also helps if you like vegetables. Like, yeah. I don't really like vegetables, <laughs> so that's None? why I feel like I'm like I just I'm not motivated to eat them all the time. Yeah. I don't think I've had a fucking vegetable in like two weeks. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I'm oh. not. I don't eat. Well, we'll have to have you to the to the into the woods there, and we'll I would lo- like. I just up don't a veggie know monster. I just don't cook. Don't cook. A lot of beans and lentils. Ooh, and I do chickpeas. like chickpeas. And then they've got all that uh, meatless stuff nowadays. So you can have a burger and not even and still get That's that kick. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I've never tried the 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 Beyond. It saved me. I don't think I'd still be a vegetarian if it wasn't for the Beyond really? Burger because I had to get that uh, fast food fix. Right. The greasy. The fix. greasy What's fix. What's your favorite fast food? Uh, now it's A and W, just because it's the only place I can really go <laughs> to get a greasy fix. <laughs> okay, so I end the episode yeah. usually with. Uh, three questions. Uh-oh. <clears throat> um, and feel free to think on these about if you want. I can edit out the silence. <laughs> I um, usually go with the first thing that pops in my head. That way there's no fucking around. Something you really love about yourself and something you really hate about yourself that you're working on. Yeah. And an unpopular opinion. People have difficulty with that one. It can be silly. It can be like, I think this is better than this. Or, or it can be deep or it can be controversial. Yeah. But it's the end of the episode, and that's why I ask at the end, because the real troopers get to hear it. Oh, well, thank you if you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for having me on and yes. helping to promote this movie. I really appreciate that very much. Uh, what do I love 
What, what was it again? What a was the quality first? that you love about uh, yourself. My adaptability, my ability to uh, 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 fend for myself. And uh, I've never really been dependent on many people other than myself. Uh, ah. So I'm, I'm, I've always been proud that I've been able to adapt and uh, hustle and do stuff for myself. Roll with the punches. But yeah, roll with the punches and also be motivated enough to get things done. So, yeah, I think my adaptability and ability to kind of be a lone gun. So we could throw, like, zombie apocalypse, they'll be fine. No problem. I'm ready. Really? No, I'm ready. I just need a few good people with me. That's important. You can't do it alone, but... Uh, Damn. Oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. feel like you could do it alone, though. Uh, maybe for a year. <laughs> 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 no, you need people. You need strong people. And I, and I think uh, something I don't like about myself... Uh, uh, it's a tough one. It is, but it's, you know, I have a lot of... Uh, I have addictions, and I've, uh, you know... I've, oh, okay. I've got... Uh, you know, things that I, uh, you know, maybe a few addictions and habits that I wish I, I had a kicked in my 20s or in my 30s. Uh, um, uh, you know, maybe a few substance abuse issues that, okay, gotcha. that tend to help certain aspects of life. Yeah. My acting career in general. Yeah. <laughs> and then it the, helps it? I, well, who knows, but <laughs> we have habits and they, yeah. you know. And, well, it's a hard industry to, it's, it, it would be hard to avoid those things. Well, you were saying, in, in yeah. acting. And also, I would say like nightlife jobs. Yes. As well, because so much of the culture would be, you know, like you do your set or you do your event, and like you have a fucking beer at the end or you yeah. unwind. It's like the unwinding. And as a culture, as a gig worker or somebody who's self-employed, you have downtime. And yeah. I wish I was able to fill that downtime with more valuable things. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And, you know, right. so I'm working on on those things, I think. And yeah, keeping positive, I find uh, is an effort sometimes. Right. But, uh, yeah. You tend to go, do you, do you go to negative? I can. I can too. Yeah. That's a big issue. I can tend to, to dwell in the negativity sometimes. <sighs> it's hard. Uh, yeah, I think if, if I could be better, I would rather be a healthy person that went to the gym all the time and ate proper food. I wish I could do all that shit, but I'm also lazy. And, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I would change that about myself too. That's a hard thing to do though. To be, to be perfect at everything is close to impossible. Yeah. And so, like, people, like, truly just have to try their best at everything. Yeah. Like, just put a little effort into every aspect that you want. And, yeah. And, and, and don't fake it. Be the I find yeah. it hard to be the authentic me without building up all this other shit. And I, I find that everyone's the best when they're the most themselves. The most, the most radically authentic. themselves. Yeah. yeah. And relaxed. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So. And. Uh, Unpopular opinion. I love these ones. Uh, that I'm cocky or that I'm. I brag. Somebody once told me that. Oh, someone told you that? Yeah, he was drunk at the bar and he said, oh, I saw you on, I'm not on social media now, but when I was, uh, oh, I saw you on Facebook bragging about your film career. And I was like, oh, maybe I do. Maybe what? I do. You know, I, you know, so I, I, I'm nervous that people would think that I'm, you know, being a hot shot or anything when genuinely oh. I like to share the work that I do, but I don't want to brag and be like, oh, I would, I'm a trailer park boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing senior you know, with Chazzy Peretti. You know, it's that fear. So, yeah. I, there is, a, yeah, no, there's definitely a, uh, but that's good because that's, that, that shows that you're humble. Like the fact that you have that fear. I do. I don't want people to think that I'm a cocky guy who takes any of this shit for granted. And yeah, I had one guy tell me that one time. So it kind of like, Oh, I hate when that happens and it just stays like, with sticks, you. sticks with you. You can have 20 people tell you, Hey, you're, great or you're a nice guy and really appreciate you one person says something negative and you're like oh fuck <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah oh man do you ever like okay like on that subject 
do you ever like look at comments like like YouTube clips of you or like do you ever look at the comments Um, because the comment section is fucking trailer park boys are the fans of that show are relentless yeah and if you they don't like you on the show they will tell you this character sucks i hate this guy so there was a lot of that really trailer park boys yeah especially on chat groups and uh reddit and things like that i hate that guy with the slingshot he's all whiny but Part of the job is to be hated and to be remembered. That's so I mean never, the character, not you. Yeah, so I never really took it. I was like, good, hate him. I like that. You should hate him. You should like those guys and hate the bad guys. So that's never too bad. But comments are death. They're de- death. A lot of celebrities <laughs> will just radically be like, I'm not reading them. Yeah. Or like, or they actually disable comments like on their Instagram or like things like that. And I'm like, there's something to that. But I, I do also think there's something to actually seeing like being ballsy enough to see what other people are saying about you total strangers that don't know you seeing those reviews yeah seeing what they think but it can stay with you it can haunt you sometimes it's easier just to turn it off i had to do that with social media i found the pandemic really did you really i was gonna say i couldn't find you on there i didn't unfriend you i i I, I closed my accounts you closed them all good for you though because it is such a fucking echo chamber of of shit it can be and it's designed to make you upset so you will click more and yep. because uh, hate and those discomfort are quicker feelings than trust and love. Those take a longer time. Facebook algorithms aren't interested in that. They're interested <sighs> in quick immediacy. So they want you to hate this post and hate that. And, uh, you know, rant in the comments on so that. So they show so. you more of that stuff. So I found it to be terrible for my mental health, especially during the pandemic. So I read a book uh, called uh, 10 Reasons to uh, Delete Your Social Media Accounts Now Whoa. Uh, by Jared uh, uh, Lanier, who's a, a Silicon Valley guy. And I read that and I said, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot for six really? months and see how I feel. Yeah, Holy and it's been great. I, I don't miss it. So, at do all. you feel clearer as a person? I wouldn't have contacted you if I was still on Facebook. I wouldn't have contacted many other people because you get comfortable in your comments and your That's relation with people. So fascinating. But now I find I'm reaching out to the 15 or 20 people in my life who I think are important, who do good things and important things, and it makes me want to reach out more directly to people as opposed to the 500 strangers that are on my account. That's right. So I've actually found that my connections are stronger without it because I'm contacting the people who are who important. Who stick out. Yeah. Who, who yeah, stick yeah. out like you. You stick uh, out. And I was like, oh, I got to contact her. I got to well, call I'm so her. Glad because we talked earlier on in the podcast of you coming on, I think. You and your, you and your lady, I, I oh, thought yeah. at one point we talked about that. We talked in a bar drunkenly about it. <laughs> A while ago. <laughs> you guys want to come on and talk about your relationship? I love asking personal questions about people's relationships. <laughs> I think we did a little podcast on that patio there, too. It was fun. Probably. And no, I'm glad you reached out because it was perfect timing because I saw that the movie was coming out. And I thought you might like the movie. And oh, I thought, movie was uh, you know, and even if you didn't like it, I'd be happy to talk about that as well. Maybe Can people you imagine? Won't like it. Hey, I'd be fine with that. This movie stunk. I still got paid, so no. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to tell people where they can find now that you're not on social media they can't really find you anywhere right but you can certainly reach out to me if you have film work for this gentleman oh absolutely i have a website as well oh, what's your website? Uh, david rosetti.ca fuck yes uh two s's and two t's in rosetti so i've got a website there that has all my work on it and stuff that's coming up that's so i can brag i guess on my website as opposed to on a third-party website. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the film can be seen on iTunes. You can rent it or download it on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You can get it on Amazon. I think it's going to be on Netflix. And- I was going to ask that. 
that. It's a yeah. perfect little Netflix movie. Oh my gosh, it would do so yeah. well on there. So I bet you in six months, maybe a year, it'll be on oh. Netflix as well. But you can get it on any streaming uh, platform right now. That yeah. would be wild. It's it was true. It's truly such a lovely movie. Everyone, everyone, you gotta watch it. Yeah, you gotta watch movies that are shot locally. You, you know, we gotta support our local filmmakers. Holy shit, and it's just beautiful. Everything about the way ugh, I could go on forever about it. It's great. You gotta, you gotta watch Spinster. And thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you for having me this and this opportunity to talk about the movie. And I've never done anything like this before, so thank ah! you very much. Did you have fun? I had a blast. Not, not as bad as you think, eh? No, I was really nervous. Uh. Oh my god! It's so funny when people say that they're nervous because you're so good at this, I, and I'm like, okay. oh, I just gotta slide in there. I'm having. Uh, it's interesting because I'm having you on now and then um, I'm having a magician Ooh. on who actually he's local. He's a friend of mine and he got on Penn and Teller's TV oh, show wicked, yes. recently. And so I reached out and I was like, do you want to come on and talk about magic? I'm like, I'm just like reaching out to anyone who's doing cool shit. Like well, uh, characters of town. Characters, you know? Like I say, comedians, characters and creators are like the people I want. So, like, like you don't have to be a comedian as long as you're fucking fun. <laughs> don't be a boring guest, please. Don't be a boring guest. Like, I don't like boring. Like, I wouldn't, I would never say yes. Usually when someone's boring, I will give, I won't say no, but I'll say I'll get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> that was those first two emails you sent me. I'll get back to you. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, I'll get back to you. I'll let you know when something opens up. When and some then room nothing opens up. <laughs> So a big thank you, Dave, for coming over. Thanks for the wine as well. He brought me a bottle of wine. So sweet. And some chocolate. If I've learned one thing from your podcast, wine and chocolate are good things. I'm oh, I'm getting into that right after this. And you get to ring the bell to end the episode. You get to give it. I'll put it on, on here. You can give it a good 